I have a couple of older brothers, and sometimes we're going to go out to eat lunch or something, and my one brother's always saying to me, not one of those girly places that just have salad. You know, I want some meat. He's always saying that. Um, so I hope today that uh, the Lord helps me serve you at least a chicken nugget. <laughs> Mark twelve thirty. Look at that. Pastor taught me how to do that. Mark twelve thirty says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I shared at the women's conference uh, the last couple of days, I shared that uh, I grew in my love for the Lord as he healed my broken heart after the death of my mother. It was a very hard uh, time for me, and a lot of things happened from that, but the Lord was so faithful and so good. And uh, he gave her that opportunity to say goodbye to me. I wanted to be there when she passed, and I was. God's just awesome. I spoke about the restoration of my wounded soul that resulted from sexual abuse. Um, after her death, I went to live with, with a, a relative, and I was abused there. And, but, you know, God never left me. He was there. We don't always get to avoid bad things just because we're a Christian. But he certainly got me through it, got me past it, and, and uh, got me a way where I could uh, get out of that situation. God is faithful. also spoke about um, the return of soundness to my mind after I was in a real confused condition that led me into homosexuality. It's another one of my issues. God provides a way out of even the most difficult or impossible situations if we'll give him the opportunity. But even then, if we don't do things, do the things that God tells us, we can become bored or we can lose our fire or we can drift away and fall back. We can slip up. Or we can return again to the things that we left behind, the things that we got delivered from. And I'd done this too, whether it was with feelings or with thoughts or with actions, and I was tired of it. I was tired of a life that was uh, filled with highs and lows. I wanted lasting change, and I wanted continued growth. So I want to share just two things that the, uh, God spoke to me about changing my life. If your walk's not where it should be, if it's not where it has been in the past, uh, I, got, I was saved as a result of my mother getting cancer. She decided that going to church would be good, and we went to a great little church. It took her three years for the cancer to, uh, to take her life, and we were in this great church, and, I mean, it just it changed my life. It was awesome. It was an awesome, awesome time. And yet, um, at 14, I began drifting away again and was a deep adrift until about 25 or 26-year-old. So maybe you had a real strong relationship in the past, but not anymore. You can recapture it if you want to. When I wrote those words, I had to put little quotations. I thought, if you want to, who wouldn't want to? If you've ever really had the Lord, if you've ever really felt that, that change and that, that peace and that comfort and that security, you'd want it back. It's the best thing in our lives. It's the one thing that helps everything else. And I need him. I need him every day. And I love that it's changed from need to want and desire. You know, need because I'm sick of this. But then once God starts working in your life, it's like, man, I just want you. Things are good now, but I still want you. So many times before, things would get good, and then 
I'd begin to drift or something, you know, oh, we see a lump somewhere or something. Oh, God, you know, I'm real close to him. and Oh, it wasn't anything. Oh, drift away. I don't want to be like that anymore. And it really changed in my life. It really changed. It became solid. So here's what he told me. Again, kind of simple stuff. He spoke to me about Bible study, personal Bible study, and church, church attendance. Not just attendance, but really being a part. First, the daily personal Bible study with the goal of knowing him more, of learning to follow what he says, of truly wanting to be changed. And that was the critical difference. It wasn't just reading, because I read. You know, I read, I read the Bible through. I did the reading plans. Uh, there was a, a time in my life where I spent several years in a position where um, I was a security guard at, a, at Xerox when I was in college. I had all kinds of strange jobs in college. And I had to sit at this desk in case anyone came in or out after hours. It was a, it was a late night job. And that, hardly everybody ever came in and out that door. So I brought my Bible and I would read, and I would read, and I would read, and I'd read. I read it all, and I read it forwards and backwards. I read all the time. I don't know if you guys remember Word of Faith with Robert Tilton when it was in Dallas. I went to their Bible college, and there were some really good, good teachers there. You know, I attended Bible college, and I read and studied through that. And um, I, did, I did all kinds of personal Bible studies. And so in my, in my opinion, I had done the Word. And I was still doing it. I hadn't quit. But there was something missing in my life. Something missing in my life. Um, look at that. So good. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, I wanted to be thoroughly equipped. I wanted to be taught things. I wanted my life to change. I wanted those uh, feelings that I felt when I was right with God and I was close to him to last and continue. And I remember Joyce Meyer talking one time. She had been a Christian for years, but uh, she still had all these struggles. We've heard all the stories about her marriage and her kids and just all the stuff she went through until she started that really deep personal relationship with God through Scripture. And then that's how we all know her name. That was the secret and the change, and I'd heard it. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the Word. But I didn't get it till I really started doing it. I also knew that I couldn't love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength if I didn't spend time with Him, if I didn't talk to Him and listen to Him on a daily basis. I mean, I've got people in my life that I love, and it's not people that I never see and never talk to and I'm not in close fellowship with. It's usually the ones that I've had that at least at some point, even if we've had to move apart now, at least at some point I had it. And I think that was what I was missing. I wanted, what I wanted was uh, to truly allow him to change me. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And then this was the key. I wanted to actually do it. I wanted to ask and ask him everything all the time. And then I wanted to listen to what he had to say. I wanted to be taught and have that result in growth and maturity. And I think this is where the loving him with all my strength came in. It was to make a commitment to him and to his instruction. It was to follow even when it was difficult. I needed that intimate connection. I needed to let him apply the word to my life in a personal way. 
And you know, I'm a woman that is not afraid of commitments. I've been in the military. Uh, I was the only girl with older brothers and, you know, mostly my dad. Um, I was a, a teacher and, you know, so I wasn't really afraid of commitment. I've committed to working out or to eating right. I committed to my career. I was faithful to work, faithful to be on time. I did what my principal told me to. And I'm not saying I was perfect and everything, but I really had a desire to do things right. Why didn't I have that desire for the most important thing in my whole life? My relationship with the Lord. You know, if my principal told me to do something, I didn't just go behind her back and talk about her. Not ever, not once. That was not, not the way we did things. I just didn't do it. It doesn't mean I always like what I was told to do. also doesn't mean I always thought it was right. But I did it. It was my job. I did it. And I, it just clicked with me. You know, why are you doing that in, in other places and you're not doing it in, in this? You're sitting here crying out that you want your life to really be different. Do you really? Because if you really do, these are things that you need to do. This is what, how God talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you, but he talks just like we need to hear it, doesn't he? Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And boy, he did that. He was showing me a real clear line. Are you serious? Is this really what you want? Because here's how you need to do it. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord. I wanted to live loving the Lord, obeying his voice. I wanted to. He'd never been wrong. I just didn't always obey. I wanted to hold fast to him. It says, for he is your life, and he is. He is your life. And we focus on so many things that we want to go a certain way. And God will help you. You want your marriage to go a certain way? Put God in the center of it. You want your kids to go a certain way? Put God in the center of them. Your career, your job, your health. I had a choice. Did I really want lasting change, a deeper relationship, a better life? It's like I heard God said, here's what you need to do, Lois. Decide. I mean, he, he speaks to me direct and blunt. When I was a teacher, I was direct and I was blunt. And I had a very firm line. I was a PE teacher, so I had, I mean, I had like, you know, I could have 100 kids. I saw 800 kids every day, every day, 800 kids. And um, when I said things, they needed to listen, and they needed to listen right away. And when I said stop or sit down, that gym stopped, and they sat down. Boy, I expected that. And if I, if I didn't get it, I was good at a lecture. This was what I was famous for. Don't get, don't get Coach McKee talking. Don't get her talking. She'll spend all our time talking because I would. And they knew if they didn't do what I want, that was her, like their consequence. She'll get her, get her on one of those lectures again. Don't do that. Sit down. Be quiet. All right, sorry. God's always used my life to teach me wonderful lessons. I love that. I love that he uses my life. One time I called my dad. You know, I had a real good relationship with my dad. My mom died up when I was 13 from cancer, but my dad, he lived to be 91. I just lost him a couple of years ago. Loved my daddy. Um, anyway, how he and I bonded together is he was a project kind of guy. And so when I went to visit my dad or be with my dad or we did things, it was a project. And his big thing was working on cars. I was always upside down, laying on my back underneath the car. And we just talked all the time. I handed him all the tools, and I'd organize his tools, and I'd be cleaning his tools. And, you know, and we would just talk and visit, and he'd teach me how to do things. And 
Uh, it, that's just how we bonded together. So one time, I'm, I'm older, you know, and I'm, I believe I was in college, and maybe I'd just gotten out. And I called my dad because I needed help with a fence project. And I wasn't sure how to do it. So uh, he said he'd come over. He's more than an hour away, so it's going to take a while. And I was kind of waiting. I was getting tired of waiting. Don't we get tired sometimes? So I got started ahead of him. I figured out how I could make it work. I was pretty excited because my dad, too, another thing he really liked is when you can figure out how to solve a problem yourself or you can use what you have and figure it out. He just loved that. And so I, I kind of loved that. So I, I was trying to work on it on my own. You know, and I get tired of waiting for God, too. I pray, God, you know, I need your help. I want to be strong in my faith. I want lasting change. And God says, get in the word. You know, and my thought is, well, I've done that. You know, and, um, it really wasn't making this immediate change or something, or parts of the word, doesn't, they don't make sense. Or, you know, I've got better things that I need to do that are more useful. Um, so I would give up, and, or maybe I'd try something different. And I know many times help was on the way if I'd just been patient, if I'd just given it a little more time, like I should have given my daddy this day. You know, we need to pray for understanding. We need to pray for his love, for the love of his word. I'm thankful that he's patient with me. I can tell you that. So back to my dad. When he gets there, I'd, I'd already put on this one section of fence before he arrived, and I was real proud of myself. I was so excited for him to see what I did. And I told him I had all figured out this way to do it. And, you know, I used all my limited resources. Oh, Daddy, I have these ropes and stuff that I used. And he was trying to tell me he had something. I mean, I ran to his vehicle when he arrived. He said, well, I've got something here. No, 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 Daddy, I've got it worked out. Come look what I'm doing. I got him by the hand. You know, come on, Daddy, Daddy, come on. So he came with me. I mean, I'm a grown adult, you know, and he, he's following me. And uh, he came and looked at what I was doing. I said, you know, you need to come help me. You need to see what I'm doing. I want you to watch how well it worked. Watch what I did. I thought about how often I call on God and I tell him what I'm doing and how he can help me. God, I want to be strong in my faith. I mean, you know I do, and, and, and I, I know you're trying to tell me how, but, you know, I can figure this out a different way because I've, I've done this Bible thing. I mean, I, I feel that you're saying that, but I, I've done that. And I thought, you know, Jesus kind of, Ask something similar to that. You know, isn't there another way? If there's another way, let me know. But nevertheless, what's, what's your decision on this? What do you say? And this is what God was telling me. It's the word. Well, I've tried that. Anyway, I, I should say that, uh, you know, I want to do it your way, Lord. Show me how, and I'll follow. That's what I should have said. Show me how. I thought I'd been doing it, but if you're telling me that it's still something I haven't done, then I need your help. I'm so glad that God loves me enough through my growing process to teach me what I need. He has unlimited resources. You know, I had a few little ropes. God's got unlimited resources. He knows exactly how to do it, whatever it is that I need done. And he knows that it takes some effort and some trust and some faith, maybe to slow down, maybe to listen, maybe to be patient, wait for him to get there, maybe not to assume that I already know the answer. But you know, God will even help me with those things. He'll help me with the effort. He'll help me with the trust. And he'll help me with the faith. It's such a win-win when you're with God. So I'm back to that fence. I had all these ropes tied in this fence. And I had stakes wedged in here and there to keep it from slipping back. And I was pulling and straining. And I had to retile these ropes because I'd run out of the, the slack in it. And I was inching it closer and closer. And these friends 
neighbors of ours were out there, and I called them, come help, and you can pull too. And, and I, I got my dad over there and had him get a rope, and he's pulling, because he was kind of just standing back watching, I think, amazed. And I had him get in there and pull, and, and I, we grunted, and it tightened little by little, and I had these red blistered hands, and I even got my finger pinched at the end trying to get that bolt in there. And finally I got it in there, and I was so excited. I was so excited. My solution worked. My dad got to see that I, you know, had done this and put it together. And we only, I told him, we only, we only have six more sections to go. You know, I was real excited. And I thought, you know, God must look at me sometimes with amazement at the way I struggle, doing things my own way. I make it so much more difficult than it has to be. Many times I totally mess it up. I totally mess it up. I get weary. I get injured. It takes more time than it should, and I limit my potential by just using the little things that I have on my own. And maybe worst of all, I can get prideful. I can think I don't need him. I mean, I know you've got ways to do things, but I can do it. So I'm celebrating my success with my dad. Dad in this cool, you know, I'm sitting back and drinking some water, letting my hands kind of get life back in them because I'd strained them. And my dad, he walks over to his truck, and he comes back with these two long boards, had these holes in them, and he's got this cable-looking thing with this handle-looking. I didn't know what it was, you know, and I'm, I remember looking at him and thinking, what is, what's he doing? You know, I don't need that. I don't need that. I've got all my ropes. What I'm doing is working. You know, and I'm thinking about God again. God brings us, and he shows us, and he tells us what we need. And I look at it, I hear it, you know, I read it, and then what do I respond with? I don't need that. Or I tried that, or that doesn't work. And I just can't believe that we doubt God, we doubt what he says. I mean, after all those years of my dad, even up to the end, sometimes he'd tell me things and I'd be thinking, well, you know, I know a better way or I know different. And seldom ever, ever did I know anything better than my dad, and he's just a man a man who makes mistakes and isn't perfect. Why would I ever think I know better than the, my, my heavenly father? I know better than God. Lord, forgive me. The truth is I need him every day in all things. And if he's told me to do it, I should do it. It's the best part of all. He'll help me. He doesn't say do it and leave me on my own. He doesn't say do it, but I know you can't read. He doesn't say do it, but I know it doesn't make any sense to you at all. I might as well be reading a foreign language, but do it anyway. He doesn't say that. He'll help you, but you've got to ask, and you've got to have the heart that wants to. So back to my dad. I watch my dad, and he goes over to that fence, and he takes these long boards, and he hooks them on that you know, piece of this fence, and he, he gets this cable, and he hooks it over here on this piece, and he sits there with this little handle all by himself. I'm not even there. And he starts cranking this handle, and here comes that fence. Straight, as pretty as you please. All the way into place, it's tight. It, I mean, mine's all wonky looking. and You know, I mean, it's connected, but it's kind of sad looking. And my dad's, it just, it looks great. He gets it over there, he, and he puts the bolts through just easy. He doesn't even need help. He didn't pinch his finger, didn't bleed. You know, screws it all on. And uh, I'm just, I just sit there stunned. And this happened a lot, by the way with my dad. Sad to say. You know, we didn't have to use five ropes. I didn't have to call three friends. I didn't have to have blisters and get pinched. 
It was tighter, it was faster, and it was easier. It was annoying when he did things like that. (laughs) Why don't I listen to the Lord? He has my best interest in mind. He knows the future. He created me. He knows everything about me and everything around me. He's been through me with every step of my life. There's no one on the face of the earth that knows us better than the Lord. Not your mother, not your spouse, not your sibling, not your children. Nobody. It's like that example of kicking against the goad that we heard here not long ago. You know, we make things harder and more painful than they need to be. Why do we do that? His way is easy. His burden is light. The word tells us that. I was faithful to work for years. Can't I be faithful to read and to attend church? I wonder how he puts up with me sometimes. And I know why. It's because he's my heavenly father. And he loves me in ways I can't even imagine. In ways I can't even understand. He knows just what I need. He knows when I'm ready to receive it. If I'm still wandering, wandering around the same mountain, it's my doing. It's not his. So I go over to my dad after, he's, after I watch him do this miracle thing all by himself without any of my ropes and, you know, all that stuff. And I go, wow, Daddy, you know, what is that? You know, well, that's just a come along, and this is how you use it, and this is this little fence puller I've made. And, you know, I thought, that's just what I needed. And he looked at me. I remember he turned his head and looked right at me, and he said, well, sure it is. What would you think I'd bring? <laughs> and I said, why didn't you tell me? Because I'm thinking, you know, he sat there for 30 minutes watching me blister my hands and call my friends. And, you know, why didn't you tell me? You know what he said? I tried. And I had to remember, yeah, he did. Well, let me get this. Let me, no, Daddy, no, Daddy, come on. Look what I'm doing. Look how I did it. And it, it just made me think how sweet it was when I said, Daddy, come here, hold this rope. And he came over and he grabbed that rope. He had big old eyes. I mean, y'all knew my dad. Some of you did. He was a little old 80-something-year-old man when you knew him. But I used to think of him with Popeye arms. I used to tell him that. You've got Popeye arms. He had the biggest arms and the biggest hand. And no matter how old I got, my little hand fit in his. Anyway, I wish I'd have listened. It would have been easier to save me some grief, wouldn't it? It was a story we laughed about often after that. I didn't always like when he'd bring it up. But anyway, how many times God must have spoken to me, tried to tell me something, and I didn't listen. Lois, you need to meet with me every day as we go through Scripture together. There's so much I have to tell you. There's so much I have for you. Let me help you. Listen to me. Oh, I wonder what I could have avoided if I'd have listened. God's trying to tell me things all the time. But he's not going to force me to listen. You know, my dad didn't force me to listen. Now, he did use apply some force when I was young, and I'm thankful. But God lets me choose. And, you know, even if I have trouble with choosing, and I do. How do we have trouble with choosing? I do. He tells me, choose life. If I told you to do it and you're wondering, should I say yes or no, say yes. Isn't that good? You know, as a teacher, we weren't allowed to tell you the answer. God even tells us the answer. 
Choose my way, Lois, because I love you. Because I know what you need. And I know what you're looking for. So my dad was more than pleased to show me how to use this contraption that he made. And uh, we started putting on the next sections. It went so smooth. And he was fine to show me and then watch me. Sometimes I liked him to do that. Show me, okay, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. But this time, um, you know, he'd give me pointers and stuff if I needed them. But this time it was even better because we did it together. And we talked and laughed the whole time. And we got the fence up. It was so good. And God's so that way. He's equipped us for every good work, and he provides the training. He stays with us step by step, telling us things as he needs to, and he'll let us do it, and he'll help. You know, God's my father. He wants to tell me and show me and help me. He wants me to do more on my own as I'm able. But part of me would rather do it myself, would rather do it my way. I'm stubborn like that. I think I've got things figured out. I think I can do it on my own. I have to be willing to be taught, to listen, to ask, and then follow the instructions. And many times I've done all those things, but the last one, I was willing and I did ask him, God, help me, what do I need to do with whatever it is? And I even listened to what he said, well, this is what you ought to do. And then I'd do it my way anyway. I'd try a shortcut. I'd reason out and rationalize why it really wasn't the best solution for me. And who am I talking about? God. Like he doesn't really know the best solution for me. God clearly told me that I needed intimate, personal time with him in the word every day. And I needed to be an active part of my local church. It finally clicked and I got busy. I set time aside to spend with him like I did for lots of other things. You know, when I had a dog, I walked that dog every morning. I lived in an apartment. You know, when I walked the dog every morning. Every morning. I didn't take a week off. I didn't take a month off. Every morning. Why? Y'all all know why, don't you? I mean, it could be raining. It could be cold. I could be in a hurry. I could be late. Even if I was going to run late, I, I walked that dog because I knew what it would be like. If I missed, it would ruin my day because <laughs> there were going to be consequences. There was a mess. It was irresponsible of me, too. You know, God bought me with a great price. It's irresponsible of me to just treat that lightly. Uh, it would end up costing me more in time and effort when I didn't walk that dog. Because, you know, sometimes the dog didn't want to go in the house either, so it'd claw at the door. Oh, great. I'm in an apartment. There goes my deposit, or there goes another door, or, you know, there goes that rug, or whatever. I learned pretty quick. Every day. Sometimes you tell people every day, and they're like, I can't do it every day. You eat every day. It's a lot of things we do every day. If some of us are on medication, I bet you take it every day if you're supposed to, and I bet you notice effects if you don't. There's lots of things we do every day, and there's nothing we could do every day that's more valuable than this, at least not in my life. There's been nothing that has changed my life more than my time with the Lord. So I read the first of every morning, too. Because otherwise the day eats up my time. Oh, I'll do this in a minute. I tried that before. And before you know it, you're at the end of the day. Ah, I haven't read anything yet. And the other thing I found out is if I read first in the morning, I can draw on it all day. He'll use it all day. And he'll tell me things and it'll relate right back to what I've read. And, and uh, somebody will come up to me with something and I've got something to say to him because I just read it. And it's just amazing what he does. 
And I, and I didn't read it as a duty or an assignment. I kind of think I did that in the past, a little bit of a duty and an assignment. Well, of course, you're a Christian. You read the word. Get in that word. And I read it through. And, um, but I read it as a love letter from the Father designed to reveal himself to me and to change in the process. My daddy one time gave me some earrings. <laughs> this thought of this story. I've tried not to cry. I cried all weekend. I said, there's going to be men here. My brother's like, men hate crying. Don't cry. Um, <laughs> gave me some earrings, and he put, put there were hearts. Something like, I wish I could remember what it was. I got it at home, but something like, there were, though we're far apart, our hearts never are, or something like that. It's a real short little thing. Gosh, that meant so much to me. I've still got it. This is a love letter from my daddy. And he loves me so much. I don't know where I am now. Um, I knew I needed help, and I, and I wanted help, so I prayed for God to change me. That's real key, and I was very serious. And this is the most important thing I ever prayed, I think, in my whole life, besides becoming a Christian, which was first, right, was to give me a love for his word. Give me a love for your word. I prayed every day, and then I'd go read it. And sometimes it'd be dry, and, but I tell you, it started changing. It started changing. This prayer was so important because it reflected my heart's desire, but not always the desire of my flesh. If our heart's in it, he'll help us with the flesh part. God heard that prayer, and he began to work in me. My love for him was strengthened as he revealed himself through Scripture, as he was true to what he said. He's, he has always been true to what he said. He led me through my worst behavior. I mentioned some of my bad behavior. That's not all of my bad behavior, but I've had some bad behavior, and he's loved me through it all. He blessed me with unexpected and undeserved things. I was being transformed. He began teaching me, telling me all I needed to know in an orderly way that opened up as I was ready to hear. He does things in order. I like things in order. I like orderly things. Uh, as I, he did it as I was ready to absorb, ready to change. You know, it'd be like if you had a company and you're going to put your daughter or your son in charge of the company, you don't make them CEO first day. There's an order to things, right? They need to learn some things as they progress and move up. And that's how he does the word. And some of us, we're never progressing. And we keep thinking it's staying at this place, but maybe it's us that we're staying at this place. We're not moving along because he wants us to move along. He wants it for all of us. His word brings me joy. It draws me close to him. He knows all about me. He's able to do the impossible. He can read my mind. He can... Uh, search my heart. He sees my intentions. He loves me in ways mere mortals can't. He also knows all my weaknesses. He knows when and how to address them. And he provides the ability to overcome them. These are things people can't do in our lives, but he can. He's never wrong. He never makes a mistake. When I mess up, he forgives me. He lifts me up and he encourages me to try again. He also loves me enough to correct me and to discipline me. And that's really key. I've, I've always, weird, I know, but I've always enjoyed discipline in that there's an order and a structure to things, and there are consequences. You know, and this is how I ran my gym. I can't teach 800 kids with just little old me unless they believe and understand where the rules and the boundaries are. Also, would lose my job if I had kids running into cinder block walls or, you know, there had to be boundaries and rules. Um. 
I love that he corrects me and disciplines me. And he's got a goal. He wants to make me more like him and make my life all it can be. The second thing was church. And when I miss church, I miss an opportunity to bless somebody or to be blessed. I miss a chance to honor God with my life, my submission, my service, my praise and worship. And I'm not talking legalistic. We, we take vacations. I take vacations. I get sick. But how do I see Jesus attending church? And what value did he give scripture? Did he know it? Did he use it? What instruction did he leave me in his word? And Luke 10, 41 and 42 says, Martha, Martha, anxious and troubled about many things. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it won't be taken from her. Always insert my name, Lois, Lois. You know, you're worried about so many things, about that one thing. I want my focus to be that one thing. I want my life to be about loving him through studying the word and loving others beginning at my church. It's a work. It's a work of love. It's his love in me, coming out of me, coming through me. He says to continue all the more as I see the day approaching. And we seem to talk about that a lot. All the more, not all the less, all the more. I don't want to miss what he has for me. I want all areas of my life to improve, and this is the key. The word tells us we need to be a faithful part of a church. Jesus demonstrated that in his life. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's good to have a church family to show us love, to develop our love, to encourage us when we struggle to love others, to share our, our defeats and our victories together, to share our love for the Father. You know, we're in need, and we're needed. It's giving and receiving when we come to church. God designed us to be connected with each other. Uh, it motivates and encourages us to see the body come together. You know, when you come to church and you see people here, you're motivated. It's an encouragement. Um, we're stronger together. We come in, we give, we receive, we love, and we connect, and we go out. And we encourage, uh, we're encouraged to be doers. We're encouraged to be a light to those we come in contact with, a light to the world. We come in here to kind of get refueled and recharged. I can look around this church and I can tell you things that have happened right here. And I've been in, in uh, several churches. I've been in this one, I want to say, maybe the last 15 years. But I used to live in Fort Worth and I lived in other towns before that and I always had my local church. But in this church right here, I can tell you countless times I've come up to the front to have people pray with me. I've come up to the front by myself and knelt on my knees by this altar and prayed by myself before. I remember we hadn't been at this church long at all when Teresa's uh, father died, who wasn't a church-going man anywhere. And this church didn't know us. We'd only been here maybe a couple of months. And pastor preached the service for a man he never knew to serve two people that were coming to his church that he didn't hardly really know either. And the ladies of this church who didn't know us made food and served. Man, that's awesome. That's family. I was healed in this church once. I've been healed a few times of a few different things. This particular thing was strep throat. I was reading through Romans and God just spoke to me suddenly about something about, you know, something living inside you that can die. And if things are alive that need to die, he can do that. If they're dead and they need to be resurrected to life, he can do that. And 
I was thinking about this, and he said, he said, you know, strep throat's a virus. I was a teacher. I mean, I'd get sick bad with strep throat. And it was a well-known thing. Oh, my God, somebody go tell Coach McKee, strep throat's in the building. You know, because, I mean, it, seriously, it was that, that easy for me to catch it. And it's, he said, strep throat, can, that virus can die in you. And the second thing that came to my mind, and I'm not setting this up as a way to do anything. This is what happened to me. He said, we're two or more gathered. And I thought, well, I'll, you know, who will I pray with? You know who came to my mind? Lou Dempsey. I thought, well, go to Lou Dempsey. And I came to, I was, it was on like a Thursday uh, evening. And I thought, well, I can't hardly wait for Sunday. Sunday showed up, and I was looking for Lou, looking for Lou, and she wasn't coming. And I thought, well, I'm going to get her address. I'm going to her house because, by golly, strep throat's gone today. And I walked out that door, and Lou came around that corner. And I walked to her like you were walking to a fire. I walked like that usually anyway. Went right to Lou, and I grabbed her hands. I said, you need to pray with me. We're gonna, uh, God told me that we're gonna, I'm going to be healed of strep throat. And she was all excited, and, you know. And we prayed, and, I mean, you could, I just felt it flowing down me in the middle of Lou's prayer she stopped she goes oh do you feel that I said keep praying you know <laughs> I've never had strep throat since I went back to my school and I went to my school nurse she said said you know strep throat's in the building I said well, I was prayed for I'll never get strep throat again never have never have <laughs> I look out in that foyer and I see that couch and I think about my daddy uh, my daddy didn't go to church but I got him to come to this church and we would have the little dinners he was in his late 80s. He died when he was 92. But he was in his late 80s, and he'd come out and sit a little bit early and thank God for the men of this church who would go out and shake his hand, who would go out and visit with him and talk with him and say things to him. He felt like people kind of knew him here. He felt like it was okay for him to be in this building. I know what it's like to be worried that you don't know if you belong somewhere, maybe because of your past or because of something about you. I got to lead him to the Lord the day he died. Is God not good? Is God not good? Two weeks before he died, he, he slapped me to read to him. Two weeks before he died, he said, you want to read the Bible to me? I about fell out of my chair. Oh, yeah, Daddy. Oh, God's wonderful, guys. You need a church. You need a support group. You need a family. Um, you know, um, no church is perfect, but like anything else, you get out of it what you put into it. You get what you look for. What are you looking for? You're looking for people to do wrong and be wrong and not accept you. And you withdraw what you invest. What are you putting into this thing? I'm loved and accepted here. I'm also counseled and corrected here. We've had the women's ministry in the back, and they encouraged me one time. Just simple things they say. They don't even know what's going on. They encouraged me to expose my past what's the thing about keeping it secret was it it kept me bound in certain ways bound for sure in shame bound for sure in fear it kept a, a distance between me and other people because when you got something to hide you can't let people get too close they might find out I was so sure that if I told people about my past that no woman would ever hug me again or give me a kiss because you know or invite me to their house or include me in any activities. And it was so the opposite. Thank you to the ladies of this church. Some people get saved and they do come to church, but they don't make any connections and they drift away. Connections are critical. Connections are critical. If you're not connected, it doesn't matter. 
You need to work at them. You need to work to make them. You need to, to look out for each other. We need to sit with new people. We need to invite people to lunch. We need to start a group, start a Bible study. Start, start a fishing group. I mean, it doesn't, you know, and then if you're all Christians, go to the same church, you can start talking about the Lord. You can start talking about what's going on in your life. Pastor has been talking about that through the book of, of Acts. You know, I don't want to stop short of all God has for me. I want to get it all. And that means I can't quit and I can't get complacent. I need to be faithful. In Acts 24, 16, he says, Paul says, I exercise and discipline myself. Wouldn't y'all know I'd like a scripture like that? To have a clear conscience toward God and toward man. It's a discipline and an effort, but with great reward. And it's not a discipline and effort that you have to do within your own strength. Because I didn't do any of this with my own strength. I couldn't do it on my own. It was done with and through him. This is my last scripture. I'm done. Colossians 6 through 7. And now just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too. Oh gosh, trust him for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down deep and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. Thank you.